The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back. It is Monday, Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show. You're home for NFL coverage 24-7, 365. He is Pete Sweeney. I am RJ Ochoa. Once again, we are Monday, Football Monday. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show. Leave a rating, write a review. We promise we will read it before we get to the latest review. We have to bid a good Monday to the one and only Pedro. Pete Sweeney, how goes it? Hello. We were just talking off air, and I have to tell you, this Kansas City weather that's going from hot to cold to hot to cold is not working out for my sinuses. And in the world of COVID, you don't want to be sneezing in public. And that's all I've been doing all weekend. So Mm. I'm happy to be back in the office away from people and talking to you, RJ. You're hot and you're cold. You're yes and you're no. You're in and you're Mm. out. You're up and you're down. Um, Shout out, of course, to Super Bowl 49 halftime performer Katy Perry. Great game that was. Malcolm Butler. Um, I mentioned, Pete, we do have a new review. Um, this one comes to us from PSU Eagle. I imagine a Penn State fan that has also made um, a, an improper decision in life to follow the Philadelphia Eagles. It is a five-star review titled, Love the Wide Range of Views This Show Hits. Appreciate how they pull in guys that cover specific teams instead of bringing in a bunch of national guys. It's a unique perspective that other NFL shows don't offer. Also, wow. you can tell all of these guys have hosted podcasts before and are comfortable in their roles. It's a good podcast to get a look at the entire league if you're used to just listening to pods about one team. Also, go Birds. And RJ, you're my second favorite Cowboys fan right behind my dad. So some familial dissension uh, in the life of Mm. PSU Eagle, it sounds like. Uh, Pete, you've hosted a podcast before. You're comfortable. That beautiful baritone voice of yours is settling nicely on the ears of our listeners. Yeah, I, I like that review. I also like the town in Pennsylvania that is named State College, Pennsylvania. Really embracing the idea that there is a state college right there. So congratulations uh, to you for having a very unique town that you live in as well. Yeah, Pete is a, a New Yorker. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get the college town vibe. College Station, uh, where I spent my uh, my youth. There you go. There's another school. one. Um, you know, and the cool kids call it CSTAT. And if you're in a hurry and wow. you're texting... You know, like your home for winter break or something like that is when you're heading back to CS. You know what mm, I mean? Like that's wow, that's that's some lingo right there. Um, for sure. We are, <laughs> some dialect we, talk. We uh, we have a lot of questions all the time, Pete. I generally fill Pete's uh, chat within our Slack group. 
uh, up with a lot of questions about life. Right before we started recording, I asked him what right. he's having for lunch today. Uh, it was a really low, boring answer. So it is what it is. Um, but I have a lot of questions about this upcoming NFL season, Pete, as do you. Yes. So in the spirit of that, this is not a ripoff of Kyle Brandt's podcast, 10 Questions. Right. Kyle Brandt, friend of the show, by the way. Uh, but we do have 10 questions of our own to kind of ponder and discuss with regards to the way things currently sit in the National Football League. Yeah. And by the way, as I'm eating my leftover carnitas burrito, hopefully this podcast is up so I can listen to this and, and, and get me away from my boredom that I'm having with lunch. But yes, but on the differences on, on this podcast, while we're asking the biggest questions that we have in the NFL right now this offseason, we have to make an answer. We have to make a take. We have to say, OK, here's the answer to this question. Maybe we even call this the spoilers edition of Monday mm. Football Monday, where because we are going to spoil the future. We're going to look into our crystal balls and tell you what's going to happen with the biggest questions of the offseason. Yeah, like any great game of pickup basketball, this episode of Monday Football Monday is make it, take it. And so um, yes. with that being said, Pete, let's Chips go ahead. Skins, whole, <laughs> with the whole thing, yeah. It's fun. actually like Pete's, Pete sounds like he's joking. I'm being 100% honest. I, uh, honest. I have a Slack message from Pete that said, are we wearing clothes? Uh, when we were talking about recording, if so we're going to sure. compare this to pick up <laughs> basketball, and you want to keep your shirt on, I'll I'll take mine off right now. So um, keep that hey, in mind. Congratulations, by the way, to Pete Sweeney's New York Knicks, who have a better record at the moment than the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers. Look at that! The sky is the limit. <laughs> they can beat anybody in the East. They can beat anybody in the West. Title Town USA, Madison um, Garden. Okay, Manhattan, New York. Let's go to the actual title town. Our first uh, piece thing, you know, whatever to discuss. Uh, title town is often what Green Bay, Wisconsin is referred to. Pete Sweeney, holy crap. The Packers are in a world of a mess. I find this fascinating. The NFL schedule will be out later this week on Wednesday. We'll, of course, have you covered here on the NFL show. Um, and Pete, people are talking about what does the league do with Packers games? Do they schedule them in primetime? Because what if Aaron Rodgers isn't there by way of retirement, by way of being traded somewhere else? Uh, Peter King, uh, the second best Peter associated with the NFL. All due respect. Uh, you know, shout out to you, Pete. Um, and, and Peter Schrager. All <laughs> right, probably, it's, a heavy, in third. it's yeah. a heavy, heavy contest uh, for all the Peters in the world. But um, anyway, um, so he wrote that you know he thinks the league will give them or, or they'll schedule all of their afternoon games on Fox with like great run-in games to kind of prepare Fox if it's you know you end up with this dud of a game if Jordan Love is really bad. And, you know, he speculated, and I think this makes sense, that their Sunday night games will take place between weeks 11 and 17 when the league is then allowed to flex out of them just in the event that, again, it is Jordan Love as opposed to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Pete Sweeney, what's going to happen here? Make it take it. All right. So to, of course, get back to the NFC East, which we always have to, teams just keep bailing out Philadelphia on being the biggest mess in the NFL. It's just like Philadelphia could be that, but another team pops up Houston, pops up. Nope, look at us. Now Green Bay pops up. Look, we have no idea if Aaron Rodgers is even going to show up to training camp. And so now they seem to be the biggest mess in the NFL. And I really don't think that Aaron Rodgers will ever play for the Packers again. I think he is set in. I know that people have been joking about it, but it's true. If this man is not talking to his family members, his immediate family members for a certain reason, do you really think he's going to be convinced to come back to Green Bay when he's made up his mind <clears throat> and has been on record in saying uh, that he wants to be the Jeopardy host and 
that is a, a nice gig. You make millions of dollars doing that too. Not, not the same as the NFL, of course. So I just think he has all the reason in the world and all the reason to hold out. And that gives him a little bit of leverage. He, he seems satisfied with, you know, if he doesn't have to play, he doesn't have to play. He's going to kind of pull that Carson Palmer. So the Packers have really been backed up into a situation. I don't think they're going to be able to convince him to come back to Green Bay. And so I, I ultimately think that this ends up in a trade and the NFL to Peter King's point should be doing its due diligence when it comes to the schedule, because Jordan love versus Patrick Mahomes is not the same type of ticket as it is Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. So why don't you save that chiefs Packers game, maybe put it in the afternoon. Um, and oh, what you want? You have something? No, I mean, I, well, so I, I, first you of all, you're, you're cutting off my monologue here. What, what? That's going to be important. <laughs> well, so you mentioned the Jeopardy thing. Uh, news came out over the weekend. Aaron Rodgers is going to reprise his role as the host of Jeopardy, although this time in a fictional sense. He's going to be on an episode of The Connors. Is that among your most DVR'd uh, productions, Pete? You, you don't, know, don't know what channel that's on. <laughs> don't know what it's about. Don't know anything about The Connors. Okay, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to be on it playing the host of Jeopardy. So he's not actually going to host Jeopardy. He's right. playing the host of Jeopardy on a television show. He's been on a sitcom before. He was on uh, one of the final episodes of The Office, obviously played uh, one of the judges when Andy Bernard had the meltdown and everything. Um, yeah, so to be clear here, your your take, we're kind of evolving the theme of this episode as we go along, is that Aaron Rodgers is done playing for the Packers, right? Like that's, that's the line of the sand you're drawing. I think it's definitive. And I apologize to Green Bay fans because you'd think at some point the Packers would get the ending of a career right but they just cannot seem to to get this one right it's it's always so good up to the last three or four years and then it gets a little bit dicey we saw with Brett Favre and I, I think the same thing is playing out and so I think the Packers got to look themselves in the mirror and say we need to make the best of this right so you you look at the the trade destinations and I know uh shortly before I think we got on this morning to record RJ James Palmer came out with a report saying the Broncos think that they have a very real possibility at this. Now they're, they're waiting for it to play out. Uh, Peter King noted that it may take a couple weeks or so for this thing to play out, but I ultimately think he, think he gets traded. I think the Packers are too smart to trade Rodgers, even within the conference. And so the short list eliminates the 49ers who have Trey Lance now anyway, and gets to Vegas and Denver. And it seems like Denver is the closest. Uh, and I think Denver believes that they can, acquire Rodgers because they went certain and they could have had fields in that spot. And when you have a quarterback room full of Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke, who I like both of those guys, but mm. reality is they're not Aaron Rodgers, right? So I, I think that's a major upgrade and you have to direct your attention in, in that direction. And and I, I really think, and this is tougher for Chiefs fans too, my beat, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Denver Bronco by the time we record four Monday football Mondays from now, three or four weeks. Oh, okay. So you're saying um, mid-June, you're calling. You're shooting your shot then. Let's. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I don't think the Packers are going to be one, to, uh, be, want to be one of those teams in a situation where they don't know if their quarterback is showing up to training camp. Right. This is what it makes them one of the better franchises, in my opinion. So I have some thoughts here, and I'll spin. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna adjust our rundown, Pete. You know, peek behind the curtain for people. We write down what we're gonna talk. Pete actually wrote it down, so you know, respect to him. Thank but I, I'm gonna flip this around just a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you. I think he's done playing for the Packers. 
um, which just you hate to see as a Cowboys fan. Big, big time bummer there. Um, and I, I do think like it is we are entering not the lull of the offseason, but like other things are going to start taking up the attention and, and this this will kind of get forgotten and then bam, it will happen and it will kind of be thrusted into the spotlight once again. I, I'm just, you know, the Broncos, you talked about teams bailing the Eagles out. The Broncos are the luckiest team in the NFL if this works out. Like, you know how people love to say, like, oh, the Colts are so lucky they lucked into Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. And it's like, no, the Broncos really supremely lucky when you think about it. Like, you know, they lucked into the Colts, you know, drafting John Elway and him not wanting to play there. They lucked into Peyton Manning be available, being available in free agency. And really, that was an extension of John Elway's, like, legacy that he was able to court him there along with everybody else they brought in and now this you know what I mean like what have the Broncos done of their own accord it's so frustrating I mean like that they can get so lucky and every other team seemingly can't well they've tried like look at Paxton Lynch and Simi sure. and the Sanchez and everybody else they've tried to get another quarterback of their own it's just they have not been able to do so so um, I, I, I'm I with you. I think he's done playing for the Packers. I have two things. My, my last Packers-related thing is this is kind of a basketball-themed episode. We didn't really plan that again um, to kind of tell everybody how the sausage is made here. But my take, if I have to like establish one, is I think the Packers are on the verge of you know the, the purgatory of sorts that the Cavaliers have been in since LeBron James left. You're talking about a small market team that otherwise is, you know, I'm not trying at all poo-poo the long-standing history of the Green Bay Packers, but without the star power that Aaron Rodgers has, I mean, what do they what do they have? I mean, that we're looking. I tell me if you disagree. If Aaron Rodgers is traded, it's only a matter of time before Devontae Adams wants out. Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He might obviously be great this year with Jordan Love, if that's the case. But I mean, he's not going to want to stick around for this whole complete, you know, rebuilding of Jordan Love's career. And unless the Packers are the luckiest team in the world, again, in that Jordan Love is amazing, I do think that they could be flirting with like relative obscurity within the NFL because they are the small market team. Unless they have, and they've had it obviously for 30 years now in, in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, unless they have somebody who sits at the Knights of the Roundtable table in the NFL, they don't have a place because they are so small market, especially in today's world where NFL teams are so big because of their markets. And so I think that they're they're on that line. And I think that would be fascinating to watch play out. This is one of those situations that reminds you in the NFL, you got to try to keep everybody happy, especially your superstars, because it only takes one domino. Like I think back to Jacksonville and being in the AFC championship. Right. And then they uh, suddenly start to get off. And then all of a sudden, Jalen Ramsey. All right, let's be honest now, right? Kind of faking an, an injury to to get out or a sickness or whatever it was uh, to to get out of Jacksonville. And then nobody wants to play there. And then all of a sudden, this entire thing unravels. Aaron Rodgers, even a bigger piece than Jalen Ramsey is. But you're right. Devontae Adams, especially in today's NFL, where you can will yourself out of any situation, it seems right. like. And players are like, starting to look really- at Aaron Rodgers to that point. <laughs> like, I mean- Players are starting to really realize that, I think, now more than ever. He might just start not showing up. And it's, are you going to get value from that or just have this guy that's sitting at home? And so uh, a terrible situation in Green Bay and a perennial franchise. So tough to see. Uh, but they might have to rebuild like everybody else. I'm sure, Pete, that, uh, that the homer in you will disagree with this. But if not for, and I know they were relevant before that, but if not for Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs would not be 
at the center of the NFL universe, right? Like they, they have that, that, you know, quote unquote, like king of the Knights of the Round Table table. You know what I'm saying? Because they're a Midwest team. They're a small market team. So like, unless you have that person, that player, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, you either, you've, you've got to be the Dallas Cowboys or the right. San Francisco 49ers or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like you have to be this big, like think about like the Chicago Bears. They're, they're terrible, right? Like they're awful. But because of their market, they are just as in the mix as the Packers are. When you take away the Aaron Rodgers or the Mahomes, not that Mahomes is ever leaving, but that's my point. Like those smaller market teams, I think we've seen that again in the NBA, the Thunder, the Cavaliers. Like if right. if Aaron Rodgers leaves, they are in a very fascinating place in a even like non-football sense. I mean, no offense to you and the rest of your division, RJ, but that's why I think people were so frustrated last year sure. in the rest of the country as the world is talking about the NFC East because of D.C. and New York and Dallas, of course. But yet there are these other teams in the league like Kansas City, who has Mahomes now and gets talked about a lot because they have Mahomes, like Indianapolis, who we saw with Peyton Manning would be talked about for a decade, like Tampa Bay now. Tampa Bay was super obscure. You suddenly have Tom Brady. All of a sudden, you're now the talk of the NFL. And then to boot, you win the Super Bowl. So, of course, now you're back on the map. Some of these cities need that that type of quarterback. And and yeah, I, I do feel like Denver is right there. And not not only a great city to move to, as people have been doing, it seems like for the past you know, 10 to 15 years, it's been growing and growing and growing. But they're going to be back right on the NFL map if Aaron Rodgers goes. Sure. So, Pete, we spent an exorbitant amount of time on our first data point. We're going to ha- we're going to have to speed through these. I mentioned reshuffling things. It's been a while since we got a come up of the week. We never really determined what the anti come up of the week is, so I guess we'll sure. just call it that. I again, I know the homer within you maybe, you know, come out about this, but something we are going to discuss and we're going to do that now is, you know, we'll run it back actually work this time around for the Chiefs. And I think it's arguable that no out in terms of well for the Bucks well, it, because the Bucks brought back all okay, their well, starters. I'm talking about for the Chiefs, though, for a moment. Okay, like, I know, yeah, you I know wanna, running, okay. Right. Um, that's why I said I'm flipping things around here a little bit. So in terms okay. of things outside of the team's control, because the Chiefs have done a lot to obviously improve their offensive line by way of free agency and trades and, you know, through the draft and whatnot. But things outside of their control. I don't know if another team has had a worse offseason in that Justin Herbert's had an incredible glow up in that Corey Lindsley is now his new center. Rashawn Slater falls to them. He was an awesome quarterback last year with a terrible offensive line. So seemingly he would improve, although, you know, regression is certainly a possible thing. And now we're both essentially prophesying Aaron Rodgers to the Denver Broncos. Like, I think I'm not at all worried about the Chiefs having success, but, you know, they looked like they were going to be in the middle of this run. Very similar to the Patriots, not only that they were this incredibly elite team, but that the division around them was garbage. Like, the AFC West has potentially, especially if Aaron Rodgers joins the Denver Broncos, gone from the Chiefs and a bunch of kids at the kids' table to now the Chiefs and a, a legitimate and established adults' table. Again, things outside of the Chiefs' control have really gone against them in an extreme fashion this offseason. Oh, man. You're coming at me. So <laughs> for all you 31 other fan bases out there that are <laughs> listening to this and you're going to have a huge eye roll, blame RJ. This is not me. <laughs> This is just now me defending. I'm in defense mode, self-defense I'm, mode. We're talking about what the things rest that of the, what the rest of the AFC West does. We're not talking about the Raiders, to be clear. Like, the Raiders are just a joke, right? Ra- the Raiders are out of it. We're not right. talking about the Raiders. Sorry. I understand Aaron Rodgers. I understand Justin Herbert. Super Bowl LV made people forget how good Patrick Mahomes is because he was running for his life the entire game. It was on a national stage. Everybody watched it. It was embarrassing. Suddenly, all of a sudden, Mahomes is beatable. 
that's the first and only time he, as a pro, lost by more than eight points. Sure. This is the greatest quarterback of our generation in the seasons that he's been able to play, meaning he can't have Tom Brady's accolades because he hasn't played 20 seasons. To the amount of seasons that he had, he's been the best. Now, what was the problem? Offensive line depth. You could make a case that the Chiefs went out and had the biggest offensive line reversal going from an extreme weakness, maybe 32 of 32, to top 10, who knows, top five ceiling offensive line. So now Patrick Mahomes is protected better than he's been protected since 2018 in a season where you're going for your fourth conference title game in a row, your third Super Bowl appearance in a row, and potentially your second Super Bowl title in two years. I understand what the rest of the AFC West did, but to say that Kansas City had a worse offseason coming off three straight conference title games is a little much, RJ. Love you, buddy. I'm talking about things things outside of their control, and I'll I'll reframe it like this. And we're operating under the presumption here in this hypothetical that Aaron Rodgers is a Denver Bronco. So in the Patrick Mahomes era, prior to the moment we're currently living in, I think the largest gap – in any division between top dog and whatever contender certainly belong to the chiefs. I don't think that's the case anymore. And I, and, and I don't think that I'm, I'm not at all taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes and his ability. I'm talking right. about what, what the rest of the division has done. And so like now, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, you know, I know people get so annoyed with like how lucky Tom Brady is, but I think that that division is now the NFC South. Like I think the largest gap between favorites to win it and would be contenders are the Buccaneers and the field in the NFC South. That used to be Patrick Mahomes and the AFC West, and that's no longer the case because of what the Chargers and, again, in this hypothetical, the Broncos have done. Yeah, and I I think that the Chargers and Broncos and Chiefs can beat up on each other a little bit. And what hurts the Chiefs, and this is where I think you're right, is say the Chargers or the Broncos are able to split. Now you're talking about only the one AFC buy which I know the Bucks were able to run through it, you know, as a, as that playing on wildcard weekend last year, but it is just so much easier to win a championship if you have the bye week. So that's going to hurt. I still think the Chiefs are the favorite to win the division, and I, I've told Chief, Chiefs fans this, you know, and, and there was some panic before the the complete o- offensive line overhaul. There has never been a change this offseason after everything that everybody has done with the Chiefs as Super Bowl favorites. And so, yeah, I, I think out of their control wise, it, it couldn't have gone worse, worse except That's the for point. the fact that the Raiders are still two, two wins. I, they, I know that they were the only team to beat the Chiefs last year. Flukes will happen. See, the, Ra- the Raiders I, to so me are just. I have, the I have a take here. I have a take yes. here because we see this with elite teams where they have this like very peculiar. Achilles heel isn't the right way to put it, but just very peculiar thing that they can't get over. And not that they were a dynasty, but the early portions of the Seahawks run with Russell Wilson, certainly when they won their lone championship to date, their their like thing they couldn't get over was Jeff Fisher's Rams. Right. Like that was it was like unexplainable how like that team had their number. And I do think that that's like a potential thing here is like maybe maybe it's like not an annual thing, but maybe like Kansas City loses more to Vegas than they do anybody else. And it's so like hard to figure out. And I think the answer is that Vegas has nothing else going for them. So they put like all their efforts into being Kansas City at least once in the well, year. We, ta- we talked about it back in the days when the great Michael Kiss was still on our show. Derek Carr <laughs> in that game 
should play like that or or take those chances and be that aggressive quarterback every game. And it just seemed like this one hit wonder Cinderella type game. And you saw the Raiders taper off. It's kind of unexplainable in a, in a sense, but yeah, that was, it really feels like an outlier in the numberation. Yeah. Okay. So we're, uh, we're 20% through. We got two, two topics done. One of them was surprise. Uh, let's move on Pete to the AFC East of uh, the Buffalo bills are the reigning division champions. Do we really think the Patriots actually I'll, I'll reframe the question that we wrote down. Who is the largest contender to the bills current division crown? Is it the Miami Dolphins or is it the New England Patriots? Because I don't, I don't even know that I think the Patriots are the top contender to what the Bills have to offer. I certainly believe in what they've done this offseason, but a lot of people need proof of concept, and I, I'm, I'm okay with it if you buy that. Yeah, I think it, and I was going to say this, I, I think in a, in a similar fashion, so it's a nice transition from the AFC West, I think it might be a tighter total division race than people might even be talking about at the national level. I know AFC East fans are well aware of this but the Dolphins are better they are on the come up the Jets even I don't think they're going to be rivaling for the division but they have a new energy they're going to win a game or two I think in a division with this new quarterback and this new Sala tough Jets team play like a Jet Rex Ryan shout out it's still the Bills to lose they have a better front seven I really like the picks of Greg Rousseau and Carlos Basham to start the a draft. I actually think not to keep going back to the Chiefs. I actually think a lot of that was to let's look at what the Bucks did in the Super Bowl and sure. let's shore that up and make sure we can beat Kansas City and kind of do the same thing. Maybe that's a little bit of a recipe there. But I look at this offseason for Bill Belichick. This was a very, very, very intentional offseason for Bill Belichick. Dissatisfied with how last year played out. He goes and gets the two tight ends and Janu Smith and Hunter Henry. Matthew Judon, Jalen Mills, Nelson Aguilar, uh, some retains there. You're going to get some people back. And don't forget, with that terrible roster last year, he went seven and nine. Now, you know, go Madden in the offseason. I think you still question the quarterback play. Cam Newton needs to look a lot better if you're going to make any noise. Or I don't know how Mac Jones fits into that. Is it going to be a true battle? Is it just going to be Cam Newton? How many games does Cam Newton play if he, he does start the year? So until you really answer the questions about the quarterback, I don't feel definitive enough about the Patriots to put them over the top. Now, I don't feel good about this because I think anytime you're going up against Bill Belichick, it's tough to feel good uh, about your take. But I'm going to make a definitive take here. I'm going to look into my crystal ball. And I think the Patriots finish about eighth or ninth place in the conference, just out losing a game or two. Because Cam or Mac, as you like to say, frontwards and backwards, whatever you want to spell it, <laughs> cost them the close game or two that you need to put you over the top to finish sixth or seventh in the conference. That's, um, I think that's about right. Um, sticking with the theme of NBA discussion, this kind of feels like, and I mean, as a San Antonio Spurs fan, it hurts me to compare him in this way, but like, it kind of feels like the Raptors after Kawhi left. Right. Like, you know, like they'll certainly and I know this isn't the immediate season for the Patriots without Tom Brady, but just kind of feels like, you know, they're still there. And we talk so much about the infusion of free agents, but all the players that opted out are returning. I mean, there's a lot of defensive help coming back for them this season. Um, I don't buy that Bill Belichick's on this like FU tour, right? Like, oh, Tom got his time for me to go get mine. 
I do think they'll be competitive. Like it wouldn't stun me if they were a wild card team and like lost in the wild card round. But I think that that's that's right about where I think they finish ultimately. Um, and and like to go back, like in keeping with the theme here, this this I think the Chiefs are a much better team than the Bills. But I think the Bills have a larger lead on the next best team in the division because I think the AFC East is that low overall compared to what is around the Chiefs. Again, specifically in the hypothetical that Aaron Rodgers is on the Broncos, but unless okay. Tua Our, takes a big step forward, I think that's, that's a, yeah, that's the wild that's card. The that's the wild question. card in the conference. Honestly, that's bigger than Tua, the AFC East. Yeah, Tua, he looked fine. Is he going to take that step? Because if he does, the Dolphins suddenly have a really really good team and don't forget they were 10 and 6 and so that's always that frustrating record that you have you're like we couldn't get into the playoffs at 10 and 6 so let's see see i do think there's this thing for like florida-based teams and shout out to miami where you and i once broke bread but Mm. like if you're a florida-based team and you're accruing all this talent but you're just not you're not right there the trick is go back to your uniforms that everybody loved buccaneers went back to the uniforms everybody loved got away from the monochrome stuff bam super bowl champions dolphins enough with this awkward dolphin Go back to the one like if the Dolphins had the old uniforms, I I think they win the division. Like I I really think it's that big of a deal. But um, let's move on. The Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the biggest like question mark for me in the maybe the whole NFL. Pete, you brought up obviously the Bucks running it back, literally bringing back all twenty. Did you know this? The Bucks brought back all twenty two starters from the Super Bowl. By the way, have you heard this before? Anywhere? I, uh, I yes, I I did, <laughs> and I've I've seen it played out before and not a great ending so we'll right see. That, that history repeats itself so um the Steelers did that too like they basically just brought everybody back and and certainly the they brought back the heaviest hitters and yes they drafted Najee Harris and everything that's fine I think the Steelers are a collapse waiting to happen I like I really think one we're, we're, million percent like I don't know how anyone thinks they're going to be legitimate competitors and I know it it fills your heart with joy and pride that Alex Smith will be seen as the straw that broke the camel's back with Washington, mm. you know, defeating them before anybody else the last season. But I do think that they were they were so close. Right? They were they were hovering, hovering, floating against it, and then just like bam, the bottom came out. And I do not at all believe that bringing Ben back and bringing Juju back and just thinking it's all going to be the same is going to work out for you. I think that that's a really, really, really dangerous, slippery slope to be on. I would not be stunned if they lost double-digit games this year. And I know that's never happened under Mike Tomlin, but they, they are they are just a, a moment away from the whole bottom coming out from under them. And then it's there's going to be this, like, national, what happened? It's going to be like, right. this was there. Like, this was there all along. It just finally yeah. all happened at once. Like, it, this is super predictable. Some questions about the offensive line, and when you have questions about your quarterback, and then suddenly you have questions about the offensive line, I think that is a, a recipe for disaster. Now, what gives me pause, and if you're you're trying to say, all right, what makes you doubt this fall off? It is Mike Tomlin, and he has been one of the definitions of consistency in the NFL since taking over as Steelers head coach. That's one of the marquees of the Steelers franchises. They don't switch head coaches every three or four years. And Mm -hmm. Tomlin has been there for a long time because he's very, very good at this. So potentially you have a situation where you can mask it a little bit. They took the best running back in the draft, which everyone mocks to the Steelers and Najee Harris. See, like that's the other thing. If you do the super predictable thing in the draft and and you're not a top five, you know, picking team. Yeah. You're like, that's a signal that your season is doomed. Like if everyone telegraphed what you were doing from the outset, 
you are on thin ice as it is. I think they had the worst running back, maybe starting running back in the league, and James Conner just was slow and it looked sluggish, and that has always been such a, I think a, you know, I mean, I, mean, I use the word marquee, I'll use it again, a, a marquee of the Steelers franchise, being able to run the football. So I think they needed to get that position. Everybody knew it. So they went in that direction. If I have to predict what's going to happen with the Steelers here, I think they they do fall off. I, I think this is a team that misses the playoffs due to quarterback play. They finally realized it this offseason that they have to move on from Big Ben, whether he wants to or not. And they hit the reset button, so to speak, at that position and more next offseason. I think finally uh, we say goodbye to the Steelers in the playoffs. Uh, quickly, Pete, before we take our break, I'm going to ask you five AFC teams, and I just want yes or no whether you think this team will mm-hmm. have more wins than the Steelers in 2021. More. There can't, there can't be a push. The Indianapolis Colts with Carson Wentz. I do. Okay. The Miami Dolphins. We talked about Tua. Yes. Pete's closing his eyes. You're really focusing here, Pete. <laughs> uh, trying to think about these teams in my big old brain here. The Cincinnati Bengals with the resurgent Joe Burrow. You know, the Cincinnati was one of my teams last year before Burrow went down. And then I, I let them, I threw them back once Burrow was out of the mix. And I'm going to say, yes, the Bengals do have more wins. The Las Vegas Raiders. That's no, that's a, a no. push one. No way. No way. I think the Raiders are in Texans territory for, for top pick this year. Uh, and finally, this one is about uh, a lot of promise right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm, yeah. I'm in fact make a take it. I'll say the Jaguars have more wins. Than, I think the Steelers are that bad this season. I think that one is the closest one you suggested to me. And I'm going to say that the Steelers have just a few, just a win or two more than the Jaguars. I, 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 I can see like that seven and eight. Is that a possible record? Seven and eight. You're What's actually that? two games short. Uh, <laughs> eight and nine. What is it? Eight and nine. Eight and nine. That's what I. Um, man, I did. I did not get a mathematics degree, and so that that is a, a clear sign. Eight and nine. I, I wanted to predict one game under, and I see Jacksonville probably in that more. I guess six or seven ish. Uh, you did. You did take the Colts, Pete. Obviously, over the Steelers. Breaking news as we're about to go to break uh, from Adam Schefter. Eric Fisher is signing a one-year $9.4 million deal with the Indianapolis Colts. So we'll see how that works out. Your, your, yeah. your immediate thoughts, and then we go to break. Yeah, I think it, it is predictable. The GM, Chris Ballard, was mm-hmm. the director of player personnel when the Chiefs, in the first pick of the Andy Reid regime, took Eric Fisher back in, in 2013. There had been some real, I think, substance to the idea of potentially Fisher returning, and that was until the Chiefs basically replaced him and replaced his backups and so on and so forth. He's recovering from an injury, had a a torn Achilles in the AFC title game, and so I don't think he starts the season, but assuming that he can come back healthy, it's a nice pickup that you could probably expect him to be a starter on the line for the Colts by week three or week four. I'm not a doctor. Maybe it's it's sooner than that. But that's an offensive line that needs help. And being a guy who knows the NFC East, Carson Wentz certainly needs that time, doesn't he, RJ? He does. Spoken like a true doc. Dr. Sweeney with more after a brief break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. 
That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. The doctor is in, and we have six more questions to hit, and we have to go a little bit more rapid-fire style. We've had um, a lot of thoughts on the first four questions, which that's right. it, by my uh, diagnosis here, it was a mistake on our part, so we have to go a little faster. Okay, so um, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the NFC, did the New Orleans Saints do enough to get back on track considering Drew Brees is gone? And honestly, I don't. I, I know you wrote the question. I don't mean any offense to you. I don't think this question even makes sense because they were already <laughs> off track. I mean, Drew Brees, again, Hall of Famer, but was really bad last year. Like the wheels had yeah. fallen off there. And so like, they needed to get back on track even before this. And I think this is another team. And again, that goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Like Tom Brady's just living large, man. Like everything around him is just collapsing while the Bucks are glowing up. It's so frustrating and annoying. I think the Bucks are in a world of hurt. And I think the, you know how this offseason was like, oh, all the quarterbacks are going to move. Next year, my make or take it prediction, both Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas will be on different teams in 2022. I like that prediction. I look at the Saints team. And Emmanuel Sanders is no longer there. Janoris Jenkins is gone. Trey Hendrickson, who, by the way, in the Chiefs game, he gets on the mic and or somehow a report came out that it was going to be a bat game, which apparently is when you go ruthless and it's like a street fight. And they really mm-hmm. took it to the Chiefs. I love that attitude. He's with the Bengals now. Uh, he's gone. Nick Easton and right guard for them is gone. Jared Cook was a, uh, a player with them for a long time is now gone. I think in that division, it's too much to lose and, and continue to compete. And I think last year was all or nothing and everybody knew it. And it ended up being nothing with Tom Brady throwing to uh, Drew Brees, kids, which is an insult to injury. <laughs> and uh, I would like to, to see Jameis Winston take strides because I feel bad for Jameis. I wish he would have got a chance to participate with last year's team. Cause I think that would have been more fair, but I hope he takes step forward, steps forward and solidifies himself as an, a starter in the NFL. Cause I like Jameis. Uh, but this team is not going to make the playoffs. No, it's amazing. And this is a little bit more tentative because we have to see Sam Darnold, how Jameis Winston might be the worst quarterback in his own division again, like by literally <laughs> like changing teams within the division. Um, so that is amazing. Um, again, this is very similar to the Steelers to me. Like, I, I just don't buy that everything's going to work out. And I do think I think we'll get like a you know how there's like a midseason, like not expose, but like a huge report of like internal strife. Like that's just brewing, dude. And then it's going to be like Sean Payton was too focused. He was having, you know, right. David Spade over to talk about his Netflix show. And like people are wondering, is his focus really on football? So I do think that the clock, you're right. They went all in. And I talked about dynasties that weren't earlier with the Seahawks. The Saints from 2017 through last season were like a dynasty without winning any titles. They were so good. And it is an utter shame 
that things ultimately didn't work out for them because you want to see the payoff there. But I mean, you mentioned Tom Brady, Tom Brady and Stefan Diggs ruined what should have been a Super Bowl championship for the New Orleans Saints. But um, it is what it is. Pete, I liked this question from yours. Uh, not from yours. They're all from you. Uh, what is more likely? Carson Wentz wins the AFC South or Jalen Hurts wins the NFC East? I'll let you go first. This is your thing. Okay. Well, this is a tough question, I think, because you're talking about what might be the two worst divisions in football. So mm. if you're backtracking and working this from behind in a sense, you have to say, all right, what is an easier division to win? And I think it's Carson Wentz in the AFC South. Because you think about the Jags' new regime, like six or seven wins we've already talked about is a nice goal. The Texans are, are a mess. The Titans feel low-key on a downward trend, in my opinion, mm. not really reloading. Whereas in the NFC East... The Washington football team won last year, so they have at least some pieces. I know that you have questions about the quarterback. The New York Giants at the end of the year, especially with that press conference about <laughs> the Eagles not trying, I think they're showing some life. I have questions about Daniel Jones still. Not my guy. Jones is not my guy. I've never shied away. And I, I know you know this, RJ, but the Cowboys are just a different team with Dak Prescott with the video game numbers, and I think they've revamped a little bit there, and I feel way better about the Cowboys. So I think in the prism of the AFC South feels easier to win. Carson Wentz is back with his guy, Frank Reich. And the mm -hmm. NFC East, I just think, is is just a more competitive division. And I like Jalen Hurts. I, it's not that I dislike him, but I think it's more likely Carson Wentz wins the AFC South with the Colts. I think that's very, very well diagnosed. Um, you know, get a prescription in whenever you can uh, <laughs> in, in, in that super legible handwriting. I think there's a lot that goes into this that isn't even related to Carson Wentz. You mentioned Frank Reich. I think right. he's a much better coach than Nick Sirianni. And I think that, you know, there's historical precedent. Obviously, Frank Reich, Carson Wentz have done it before. The Indianapolis Colts, also a team coming off of a playoff berth. Granted, they almost beat the Bills. Like, you know, we, you know, we both believe in the Bills, certainly within uh, their division and I think in the conference to a certain degree. But um, I, I certainly believe in that they have a better defense. They have Darius Leonard. They have, you know, a lot more players to work with. They have now Quiddy Pay. I just, you know, I know the Eagles drafted Devontae Smith, but I think and I, I think that you're right. Like if, if we ranked the non Colts Eagles teams from these two divisions from best to worst, number one is the Cowboys. Number two is the Titans. You agree with that. Um, who's third? Is it the Washington football team? Right. And I and think then, until, until, right. Because they won the division. I mean, as right. much as you, they don't have a QB and that, you know, that you feel good at it's Fitzpatrick. Right. I, I, I just don't. But you got to put them up there, I think. At this right. Point. So so they're third. And then fourth is probably the Giants. Like, I think the right. Giants still beat out the Jaguars and Texans. And so you're right. right. The, the the path of least resistance is certainly in the AFC South. Plus, again, we have seen Carson Wentz play like an MVP before. Um, so I agree that that is more. Plus, Eric Fisher. Duh. I mean, right. you know. <laughs> the big fish. Right. Um, okay. How many games out of 17 does Jimmy Garoppolo start for the San Francisco 49ers in 2021? <laughs> Rob Stats Guerrero, this question is for you, my friend. Uh, Pete, we mentioned Peter King's Football Morning in America at the top of the show. In it, among the things he thinks, he said that he believes um, he would set the number of games for Jimmy Garoppolo starting at 10 and that he would take the over. So I'll set it at 10 and a half just to make you make a decision here. Actually, I'll, I'll bump it down to nine and a half. So whether you agree with Peter King or not, nine and a half. Do you take the over or under on games started by Jimmy Garoppolo this season for the oh, 49ers specifically? 
Yeah, you, you know that I, I enjoy respect or I enjoy an opinion that's made by a Peter. I, I have a lot of respect for uh, an opinion that, made by a fellow Peter. Mm-hmm. But Peter King is wrong. Mm. This is Kyle Shanahan's guy. He's got that Shanahan flow. He's going to get frustrated with the same old quarterback play by at least week six. If the Niners are two and four or one and five and the season is on the brink, it's time to call in your guy. The number three overall pick, Trey Lance. Hammer the under. Is that a bet somewhere where I can go to Vegas, Missouri? Can we change the gambling laws so I can go to a sports book and take this bet? Hammer the under on that. Trey Lance starting by week seven. Week seven. See, I asked Stats about this last week. He noted that if Jimmy Garoppolo starts any games, it's a failure for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. Like, that's it is, right? Like, how, like, it, it would be an, a complete and utter failure. And so, I really don't know what I believe. I certainly believe that Kyle Shanahan is full of himself, but I also Obviously, think he's very... didn't take note of the theme of the show, which is definitive takes, RJ. Well, did you, I'm, see, I'm, did you I'm hear how definitive I'm I was building up. a second I'm bu- ago? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm building up. Check this Not out. Not to make you dismount here, yes. Right. So, so, I fully believe that Kyle Shanahan is very full of himself. Like, he wants us all to be talking about him. He enjoyed the run-up to the draft and everything. But I also believe that he really does not like Jimmy Garoppolo, which is evidenced by a number of different things. So I will say this, Pete. I will cut your prediction even further in half. Wow. What's 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 Lance's first name? What's his first name there? Trey. Trey, a.k.a. three in some respects. All right? I think by week three, he wow. is the starter. There's no Ooh. doubt in my mind that Trey Lance is starting by at least week three. If not, I think mm. I think he's I think Trevor Lawrence is the most likely quarterback to be starting week one. I think Zach Wilson is the second most. I think incidentally, Trey Lance is number three. Like can't he, believe I, we are gonna be getting a glimpse at clipboard Jimmy in week three. Mm-hmm. He's gonna look good though. We at least know that. Um okay that uh stemming off of that to read your question literally, which rookie quarterback has the most successful season? I will go first. And I have a sneaky I look in the in the interest of making it and taking it, I'm just gonna say it. Uh, but I realize it's rather bold. Friend of the SB Nation NFL show. Wow. Kellen Mond. I oh, think he Lord. I think he gets in for Kirk. <laughs> what? Late. What think, hang on, are we hang talking on. about? Hang here. on, hear me no. out. He- hear me out. Hear me out. We agree that independent of quarterback, the Vikings have a solid team. Yeah. Right? And and if we're talking about all the places that rookie quarterbacks ended up, so Jacksonville, the New York Jets, obviously the San Francisco 49ers, Chicago. I mean, maybe you can make an argument for Chicago. In fact, that's probably the best one. But Kellen Mond has maybe the best receiver in Adam Thielen, right? And and maybe the best offensive surrounding cast in that he has Dalvin Cook, right? I realize. And he's got, you know, the best defense, arguably, of all these teams. I know the 49ers are getting Nick Bosa back and everything. But my point is, like, you could make the argument for Kellen Mond. And, I, again, he's in a different situation where he doesn't have to, you know, do as much as these other quarterbacks are going to be asked to do. And he might be in a division that Aaron Rodgers is gone from very soon. So, right. like, it, it, I mean, I think he might have the easiest path to winning a division title, especially because I also think Kirk will win a few games in the process to getting benched. And so he'll have the, – the road will be much friendlier for him, is my point. Well, you know Kirk Cousins is good for about two to three games a year where you say, this guy is legit, and then he gets another year uh, to be a starting quarterback. The answer is Justin Fields, 
And I'll go back to. I agree with that. If you're, if you're eliminating Kellen, I agree. <laughs> you, you made all the points that I needed about that division and what you have there. And he, he's taking a playoff team. And that was such an advantage I saw in Kansas City in covering Mahomes is you're going to a team that already has a lot of pieces and is, in a sense, just missing that quarterback to get him over the edge. I think the Bears are fortunate that Fields fell to them. I don't think that Nagy really got a fair shake considering he never picked Trubisky. Remember, Nagy, former offensive coordinator here in Kansas City, went to the Bears and had to work with Trubisky. This is his pick. And so let's see what he can do with a Justin Fields. And I feel good about the Bears in that division, especially if you take Aaron Rodgers out of it. How do you like this take, Pete? Week 18, which is still a foreign concept in my mind. Week 18, the game that is flexed into Sunday Night Football, right? It's the game with the most on the line, is a matchup between Justin Fields' Chicago Bears Mm. and Kellen Mond's Minnesota Vikings for the Mm. NFC North title after Aaron Rodgers has already won the AFC West two weeks before. I mean, Throughout this show, RJ, <laughs> you have been killing it with the p- predictions, I have to tell you. Uh, two more quick ones uh, to kind of close us out. Who set themselves up to make the biggest leap in 2020? Are you going first or am I? You're going first. Okay. It's the Cleveland Browns. I think oh, the- dude. No, but you have, to, like, you have to make the biggest leap. I adjusted your verbiage here. So, like, we're talking about a team that was in the divisional round. So like a leap from that would arguably be winning the Super Bowl. I I think an AFC title is is a that's an one appearance. more one more round. That's not a leap. That's a when that's you're a in the drag. If this was March and you had made the Final Four, that's the that's the biggest possible thing that you could do. I think in the past it's been a hot take to believe in the Cleveland Browns, and they've shown flashes before, and then they've kind of tapered off. I think they take the leap to a consistent AFC contender, which. They, they, you need two seasons in a row of good play to do that. And I, I look at the additions with John Johnson, Tack McKinley. They retained Rashard Higgins, uh, Troy Hill. They took a chance on Malik Jackson. And I, a lot of people like their draft. And I know sometimes we'll look at drafts later on and say, yeah, everyone thought this was a great draft and it wasn't. But so far, so good. Addressing a lot of needs. Greg Newsom was their, their cornerback there. I really like the Anthony Schwartz pick. Um, in in what was round three, you're getting weapons. Odell, ha- he's tweeted out Odell 2.0. Uh, he's finally, I think, in that situation where he has no choice but to just be a piece. And I think he's silently a really strong piece. And Baker Mayfield, again, just has to play his game. And I really like what Kevin Stefanski is doing. I think he's got their mentality right. I think they finally got the right leadership in Cleveland again. To me, they're making the leap into a consistent every year AFC contender. Now you're facing the Chiefs and the Bills, so you're up against it. But if uh, if you can start to be in the same conversation, then to me, that's a big enough leap to be my answer here. Are they the third best team in the conference? Remains to be seen. I'm I'm saying yes. Okay, um, I'm going way opposite direction with my answer here and we you know how every year we hear like all the you know every year there's a team that goes from worst to first in their division and I don't think they'll win the division but I think the answer and some of it is just you know regression of the mean I think it's the Atlanta Falcons 
I, mm. I think that we have forgotten a little bit about Matt Ryan. I know there's all the talks percolating around Julio Jones. And if he's traded that, you know, maybe changes my answer. But the infusion of Kyle Pitts, obviously Calvin Ridley is a, mo- a monster. I was going to say baller monster. I was going to say monster. Um, I so. can't wait for Kyle Pitts. A monster besides the monster. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm ready to see some Ryan to Pitts. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think, and again, you talk about the Saints now out of the picture in the NFC South. The Panthers are not going to be true contenders. Sure, the Buccaneers are there, but in a world with three wild card spots, I think Arthur Smith coming in. Sometimes this happens, like teams just hit like a wall. And I really thought this would happen to last year's Cowboys. And you get a new head coach and things change, but Dak Prescott got hurt. I think the Falcons are a really strong candidate to be that team. Fun story with the Falcons, too. Mike Davis, who was the backup for Christian McCaffrey at the age of 28, gets a shot as the at the hometown team he's from Atlanta. He gets a shot as their starting running back. And everyone thought that Atlanta would be one of these teams to take one of the top three running backs. They did not. So Davis gets a chance in his hometown in his late twenties to be the starting running back there too. So that's, that's a nice fun story for your, your come up team. Yeah. So Michael Turner vibes certainly right there, mm. um, you know, kind of fits that. I think my, my sort of low level answer, I know I really hyped up Kellen Mond, but let's be honest. The answer is Justin Fields. You were right a moment ago. I think another answer is the bears. And some of that is, is Aaron Rodgers getting traded, but they really like the, the sequence of events unfolding here could really, really alter the future of Matt Nagy and Ryan Paces and certainly Justin Fields' life. But I tell you what, Pete, I know you're a big fantasy guy. I'm thinking about trading for Allen Robinson in some dynasty leagues because now that he's got Justin Fields, like this is a this is a spot to really like. But um, and correct me if I'm wrong, he's playing on the tag, so this is a, a, a contract year. It is. Yes. So um, I do want to ask you quickly before our last question: Who's the opposite end of this? Like, who set themselves up for the most likely regression in oh, 2021? We, we, hit we hit it. It's the Steelers. It's now, the Steelers. see, uh, in the spirit of coming up with something new, I think the answer is the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Arizona Cardinals are the team. But, RJ, they got your boy, J.J. Watt. And nah. we know that J.J. Watt, he's lifting and he's, what is he, benching? What, they call it squatting. He's got the T-shirt on. He's cool. He's hip. He's a winner. He is going to lead them. Back to the playoffs. No, I'm not. I don't buy it at all. I think the Cardinals. I also think, and I know there's not a long way to regress, and this has nothing to do with Joe Burrow, but the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals could, I think there could be a really big problem there, and this could be Zach Taylor's, obviously, final season. He, I, I think Zach Taylor's maybe, if this is a, an unfortunate thing to predict, but if there's a coach fired before the season's over, I think the heavy favorite would be Zach Taylor. Well, they took a big risk in the Jamar Chase pick. If Burrow somehow gets injured again in any freak accident even and it's a clear rusher that just drills him and he comes out of the game whoever made that pick and you never know what happens in these draft rooms whether it goes up to the ownership it's the gm it's the head coach whatever i understand you're listening to the quarterback and and going to get his guy burrow gets injured again i I really think that regime is going to be to blame not it was kind of a flex pick for a non-playoff team to mm-hmm. go with a wide receiver flashy move instead of protecting your quarterback with the scar that everyone saw in your uniform picture. And I know you, you, you are, you, you don't even like their uniform. So what do they have going for them? Really? They have Joe Burrow. That's about it. And Jamar chase is awesome. Don't get me wrong, but like it was, it was not, it was a little reckless. That's all it was. Like you, you mentioned right. it, like they were not the team to flex. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, yeah. they're, they, they're like, Hey Pete, I got a new credit card where I get points for this. And you're like, you have like 10 open credit cards that you have right. paid yet, Bengals. Like, what are you doing? But, um, last thing very quickly, uh, Kansas city chiefs, Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> Dallas will visit Kansas city in 2021. Is it a game that ultimately ends up on prime time? I have a take on this. So I'm curious for yours. I think it is. 
And I think the Chiefs have gotten to the point now where because of Mahomes, so I'm sure people are sick of me hearing me talk about Mahomes, but I think he he gets the max amount of primetime games because of the matchup. And I and you look at the opponents, to me, the Cowboys are within the top six or seven of the Chiefs opponents as far as matchups. The Kansas City Chiefs play the NFC East and of the NFC East teams just right there. To me, the Cowboys are the best matchup for primetime. And so by default, I think whether it's Monday or Sunday or Thursday, and who knows with the Christmas season now with the Friday night game or whatever. Yeah, at some point, it'll be nighttime and the Cowboys will be playing the Chiefs. See, I disagree 100%. This is a Fox (laughs) Fox game because the Cowboys are the traveling team. There's no this is this has got America's game of the week. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Aaron Andrews, Christina oh, no. Pink written all over no. it. Um, and I, I will find out the schedule on Wednesday. My prediction is the Sunday night game this particular week, whatever week this happens, uh, yeah. is is a bit of a dud. Like it's it's less appealing than others because the NFL will live off of Dallas, Kansas City in the late afternoon window. It will be one of those late afternoons where there's only like three games on. It'll be like Cowboys Chiefs. And so you then, think Fox is going in and reserving this right away because you can well, you can. They, they can protect it. Yeah. So they there's no way the they're, yeah, there's no way they're giving this up. But I think, I think the NFL will be strategic and like the other late afternoon games will be like Cardinals Rams, you know, right. there'll be these like other, you know, things You've seen going that in recent years. I know what you're talking about where it's almost like the bonus primetime game in a sense mm-hmm. where, yeah, they're up against like, sorry, Jets fans, but yeah, like a Jets right. uh, Titans or something. Yeah, and it's, it's, it will be super boring. It's, it's Buck Saints, for example. Yeah. No, and and for what it's worth, the Cowboys have played two opposite conference teams on Sunday night football. This game definitely won't be on Monday night football, by the way. Uh, but they have played two opposite conference teams on Sunday night football since NBC took over the Packers in 2006. They played the New York Jets in the season opener in 2011, which was on the 10-year anniversary of September 11th. And they played the Las Vegas Raiders in 2017, the famous uh, Gene Steratore index card moment, uh, which was a lot of fun. But um, but yeah, so I don't think this gets prime time, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. Pete, any last um, prognoses or diagnoses from the doctor well, before you're out of the office? One thing I did want to note here, and, and I, I think it's definitely something that we should say is we didn't ignore the Houston Texans. We know that there's a lot of legitimate questions off the field before we even get into the football of the Houston Texans. Obviously, to me, and I just want to say, if they're starting Tyrod Taylor instead of Deshaun Watson, uh, for whatever reason, off the field, on the field, who knows how this plays out, they're going to be in number one pick range. And I think that's enough to say right now until, again, like everyone else, like they are in Houston, we get all the facts on that situation. Well said. Um, Just as we finish recording here, Pete, J.J. Watt tweeted out, um, randomly and uh, it's a lower it's all lowercase he didn't capitalize anything so he really wants to be like specific with the way this looks um, here we go excuses are abundant strive for solutions well this is clearly a situation where this young man heard his ears ringing after you said that the Arizona Cardinals were going to be one of the come down teams of the league and he wanted to make sure he got the message out and said no no RJ we're coming for the postseason Dr. Sweeney has the Cardinals making the playoffs. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. This was Monday Football Monday. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.